Well, good evening, guys. It is, when I say this, I mean it. It is truly a joy to be with every single one of you tonight. Honestly, I would rather be with all of you here tonight than at Six Flags by myself. Now, with you all at Six Flags, now that would be cool, too. But we are here tonight to hear the truth of God's word. And my prayer is that if you are comfortable in your sin tonight, that you would be afflicted. Okay? But if you are afflicted tonight and you are desiring to kill sin in your life, that you would be comforted. You see the opposite? So that is my prayer tonight. I'm good. Thank you, Seth. That's my prayer for you guys tonight. And um, as we prayed together, as we played a game together, as we sung these precious songs, I pray that that truth will be in your veins and that that will cause you to soar this evening as we listen to the words of life. Please open your Bibles to the book of Matthew, chapter 7, and we find ourselves in verses 7 to 14 tonight. Verses 7 to 14 of Matthew, chapter 7. And once you get there, I've got a couple of questions for you as we begin. Matthew, chapter 7, verses 7 to 14. Question, how many of you like to receive gifts? Yeah. No, oh, there's some no's out there. Okay, we're, we're supposed to be truth tellers, right? Let's tell the truth. We like to receive gifts, right? And what we're going to notice in a little bit here is we're going to notice that um, we like to receive good gifts. And guess what? Sometimes if we're living in sin, we like to receive bad gifts too. That's the truth, okay? So we all like to receive gifts. Let me ask you this. How many of you like to give gifts? Yeah. Yeah, that's a part of being made in the image of God. We're going to see this tonight. Tonight, Jesus is going to teach us about asking God our Father for good gifts. And we are also going to hear about how God our Father gives good gifts. And keep this in mind, okay? As we find ourselves here tonight in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus is still on the mountainside giving this world-famous sermon regarding the attitudes and pursuits that ought to be in the life of every believer. Remember, Jesus in this sermon, this sermon is chapters 5 through 7, he's showing us how true adopted sons and daughters of God live and seek to live according to his kingdom. Now, Jesus has already spoken to us about prayer and how to pray in the previous chapter. And Alejandro took us through Acts a couple of weeks ago, right? But in this passage tonight, you remember what Acts was, by the way? What did the A stand for? Adoration. Adoration towards God. What was the C? Confession. Confession. What was the T? Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. And the S? Supplication. Supplication. And that, in our passage tonight, is where Jesus narrows down into the aspect of supplication. How our Father supplies us with all good things that we ask for, let alone the things we don't ask for, and he still gives to us. Have you ever noticed that? I mean, you guys probably didn't wake up this morning, and part of your prayer probably wasn't, God, give me this day my daily bread, the bread you know that I need. 
I doubt any of us did that. Because we're just used to waking up, mom and dad or you grabbing the cereal, grabbing the eggs, and piece of cake, right? But we're going to talk about how God supplies us with all good things. We're going to see this in in the passage tonight. So if I were to title this message, it would be go something like this. God's good gifts and his greatest gift. God's good gifts and his greatest gift. And our theme would be tonight, why the goodness of our Heavenly Father should be mimicked in your life. Why the goodness of our Heavenly Father should be mimicked in your life. So this brings us to the three actions we are to take when it comes to God's gifts. Are you ready? In verses 7 to 8, you got your Bibles ready? In verses 7 to 8, Jesus instructs us to actively go after God's blessings, and he promises that we will get them. You don't believe me? Well, let's read verses 7 and 8. Here we go. Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 to 8. Jesus says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. This is so clear tonight, it's not even funny. Jesus tells us, ask, seek, knock. Okay, amen. Close your Bibles and let's go home. Just kidding. Just kidding. He is the author and giver of these gifts, and we are to be involved in this process. He just told us we are to ask, seek, and knock. Did he not? Now, as a kid, I had no problem asking, seeking, and knocking when it came to my relationship with my parents. And my asking for things ranged from a soda to a samurai sword, from a pet tiger to a million dollars, and everything else in between. I was asking, I was seeking, I was knocking. But in our text tonight, we see that it's not about the extravagant, unnecessary things that we're to be asking, seeking, and knocking for. In fact, this is key. How do we ask, seek, and knock as Christians? There's two main things. Through prayer and reading your Bible. That's how we ask, seek, and knock. Through prayer and reading your Bible. And you could add in there fellowship with other brothers and sisters in Christ. These are the ways, through prayer and scripture reading, these are the ways we speak to God hear from God, and find what God has in store for us. And isn't isn't this amazing? If you just stop to ponder for a second, okay? The God of the universe, the one who created you, spoke everything into existence. The God of the universe wants to hear from us. He wants us to seek him and wants us to knock on his door. This truth, if you stop for a moment, is incredible to say the least, if you truly stop and think of it. Because if I were to ask you, okay, give me your favorite sports player, your favorite athlete, your favorite actor, and they said to you, and they named you personally, 
And they said, hey, you come to my house. And you ask, seek, you knock, whatever, and I'll give you. I'll give you the good things that you ask for. Every one of you would be thrilled. And you would run to their house. And you'd think, this is amazing. Well, guess what? God. God has just commanded you and I in Scripture tonight by the living word of God. He says to every one of you, ask, seek, knock, and the door will be opened unto you. This is incredible. If we do ask, seek, and knock according to his perfect wisdom and will, we will receive, we will find, and the door will be opened unto us, unto you. But, so that we might understand more clearly what Jesus is saying here, he goes on further and gives us a crazy, funny picture illustration. Because previously, in just the past couple of paragraphs, if you notice in Matthew chapter 6, 7, he's talking about splinters and logs, pigs and dogs. And now he illustrates a truth by using these items and animals that we see in verses 9 and 10. Look at verses 9 and 10. He says, Or what man is there among you who, when his son asks for a loaf, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, he will not give him a snake, will he? <laughs> now, in this historical setting, 2,000 years ago, Jesus is here with the thousands of people on this beautiful mountainside, and he's talking about how a child would ask for basic common things in the culture at that time. And what are the two things we see in our text tonight? Bread and fish. Bread and fish. That, those were the, the main sustenance. That, that, that was the main meal, the main snack of that day. Now, today, so much is common in this easy land in which we live, where, where so much is accessible to us, right? From donuts to pizza, right? From video games to hoverboards, computers to cars to you name it, right? And sometimes because of that in our culture, that makes it hard for us to differ between what is a want and what is a need. Question. Now, this should only take one hand that you have, okay? What do you need in order to live and thrive and do well in life? Just name a couple. Yeah. Uh, food. Food. Water. Water. Shelter. Shelter. A place to sleep. Place to sleep. Shelter. Okay. Good. Viable. Yeah. No. Very good. I see where your mind is going, but no. Very good. Yes. Your organs, so yeah, you're okay. Your very body, your very life, good, yeah. See, your eyes. Okay, body, yeah. Your eyes. Yeah. Air. What's that? Yeah, air. Yeah. Okay. Jesus Christ. Okay, you got me. We're going on to two hands now. Okay. Yes, you're right. Who has an answer? Yeah. You need a sustainable water source. Okay, that's specifics. Specifics. We've already named that. Well, you need to live a long time if you want to live. <laughs> Wait, what? You're right. If you're gonna live, you want me to go to seven? Do you want me to go to seven here? Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes. The ability to feel when you're in pain. So Say that again. The ability to feel when you're in pain so that you don't get too hurt. That's that, that's very good. That's very good. You guys are pushing me onto two hands here. Okay. 
Yes. Company. What's that? Company. Company. Ooh, that does help an awful lot. Okay. But you can still live and thrive without it, but it's hard. Okay. Let's do one more. That's what you're going to say. Okay. Last one. Yes and no. Okay. Yes. Okay. Do you guys, do you guys see that? No, no more. We're done. (laughs) Oh, sleep. Okay. Okay. Sleep. We're at about eight or nine here. Okay. Two hands max. Two hands max. Okay. You got me wrong. I was like one hand. But really, if you think about it, food, water, shelter, right? Yeah, not really. Not really. Okay. Okay. Okay, question. Quick question. Let's listen up. You see the point? Do you get the point? Good. So the point that Jesus is making is that as a child asks for things, mom and dad won't give something that is harmful in place of something that is not only desired by the child, but that is needed by the child. Think about it. Have you ever asked for bread or something simple and good to eat, and your parents, as the text says, give you a stone or a snake instead when you have asked for something as simple as as bread or water? Let me ask you this. Have you ever asked for something to drink, and they give you gasoline instead? Question, have you, no, they have not. If they have, it was a joke. Have you ever said, mom, dad, I, I need toothpaste because I ran out of toothpaste and they give you glue instead. No, okay. okay. Question, have you ever, has your pillow been worn out and it's torn, it's just thrashed, it's the only pillow you have and, and you said, mom, dad, I need a pillow and they give you a brick? No, stop saying yes. I'm going to talk with all of your parents tonight. Okay, okay. Now, listen up, listen up, listen up. You see, guys, parents are responsible human beings made in the image of God who care for those who are dependent upon them for their needs. And every one of you tonight should be saying, amen, yes, thank you, God, for my parents. No, don't say it just because I said it. Okay? Listen, listen. Parents want to help their children, not harm their children. And if they do harm it, it's on accident. I'm sorry. But that's not what they're intending. They want to help their children. In fact, parents take joy in helping their children and providing for them. And this, listen carefully, is a role and command that God has given to parents. So, so check it out. As parents enjoy and take delight in their role of providing for their children whom they love, God loves that role infinitely more, and he is much better at it, by the way. And I want you guys to really come to grips with that tonight, to know that weighty, great truth. He loves to take care of his children and he's much better at it than any of us ever will be as parents in life or than our parents are as good and as kind as they are. Then Jesus says, look at what he says in verse 11. You who are evil. (laughs) A little slap in the face there, right? He just called all those people on the hillside. I mean, there's men, women, boys and girls, old and young. You who are evil, just a little little reminder here of the truth. You who are evil, that is, you who have a sinful nature, 
How much more will God provide for us and bless us with what we need and ask? Right? He, our Heavenly Father, is perfectly holy, perfectly generous, perfectly loving, perfectly providing, perfectly righteous, perfectly wise. Therefore, he will surely give us these gifts if we ask, seek, and knock. Question is, what kind of gifts is Jesus talking about, right? Is it money? Is it power? Is it fame? Is it good looks? Good health? Great family? A mansion? A sports car? You go down the list. Is these, these are the kind of gifts that Jesus is saying, ask, seek, knock? Well, if we consider the context of the Sermon on the Mount and what Jesus has been telling us so far, we can understand what good gifts he's talking about. I just want to take you through just a couple of them, okay? Go back in your Bibles to Matthew 5, right at the beginning of this very sermon. Track with me just for a, for a brief moment, okay? We're talking about the kind of gifts that God gives and gives to those who ask. Look at Matthew 5, verse 3. The very first one right off the bat. You tell me if this is a good gift or not. Are you ready? Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Those who recognize they're sinners, they're broken, they're hopeless without Christ. Blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the what? Kingdom of God. I want to ask you, is that a good gift? Blows our mind. We, should, we could stop right there and go home. But let's go on a little bit further. Look at verse, the next verse, Matthew 5, 4. Blessed are those who mourn, that is, mourn sad over your sin before a holy God. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be what? Comforted. Let me ask you this. Is comfort a good gift? Is comfort a good gift? Yeah, y'all should be saying, yes! You like to be comforted, don't you? I do. Matthew 5, verse 6. Look at verse 6. Jump to verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger thirst for righteousness, for they shall be what? Satisfied. Let me ask you this. Is, being, is the feeling of being satisfied, especially if it's in something that is good and pure, is, 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 is being satisfied a good gift? You guys should be shouting this. Yes, yes it is. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, hold on. Matthew 5, verse 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive what? Mercy. Would you say that mercy is a good gift? Yes. Matthew 5, verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall... What? Would you say that seeing God in the pages of Scripture and who Christ is and seeing God someday in heaven, would you say that that's a good gift? Yes. Yeah, thank you. Now, we're, now we got it. Matthew 6, 11. Matthew chapter 6, 11. Jesus teaches us, give us this day our... Would you say your daily meals and snacks and all the in-between stuff is a good thing? Yeah. yeah. Matthew 6, verse 25 to 26. We're not going to read it. But three things, and you guys already named it earlier. Would you say that food, drink, and clothing are good gifts? Yes. Math, let's end with this one. Matthew 6, 33. Jesus says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. All this other stuff we've been talking about, it's going to be added unto you. 
So if we think Jesus is speaking of earthly riches, perfect health, and, and anything our heart desires by rubbing a lamp and asking a genie, then guess what you've done? Guess what I've done? We've made a God in our own image, and we are reading our Bibles incorrectly. You see, that which is truly valuable and good is not measured by the standards of you, of the world. That which is good and valuable is measured by the standards of who? God. That's right. God wants to give us good stuff. That which is truly valuable and lasting and that glorifies him and that is, that is truly good for you and for me. Little heart check, okay? Ready for a little heart check? Come to the doctor. Here we go. Often we think we know what's good and best for us. But isn't God better at determining what we need? The answer is yes. Joyfully, yes. Briefly, listen to just three quick psalms. Psalm 119, verse 68. The psalmist says, You are good and do good, my Lord. He is good and he does good. Psalm 73, verse 26, the psalmist says, you are my portion. See, we all want these different portions of different stuff. Like the psalmist stops and says, no matter what I have, you are my portion. You fill my cup. And Psalm 73, verse 28, the psalmist says, the nearness of God is my good. See, sometimes we ask for the wrong thing. You do. And I do. We ask for the wrong thing from time to time. But, but what a comfort knowing that a good father doesn't give us a bad gift. Because in our text previously, verses 9 and 10, sometimes we actually ask for that stone. Sometimes we actually ask for that snake. There is no greater father than our heavenly father. He knows what we need and he gives us only good Gifts. Do you realize that? Listen to James 1.17. He not only gives us good gifts. James 1.17 says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of all creation. And think of it. This God, back to what we said earlier, He tells us to ask, seek, and knock for these things. Do you trust that he does and can bless you? Do you trust him to give you what you need? Listen, there is no greater gift giver than God. But shame on us when we're only running for the gifts, 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 instead of the gift giver. There's no greater father than God. And to think that he gave us the greatest gift of all, his son, should blow our minds. And now all this truth from verses 7 to 11 now moves us to action in verse 12. Watch this. Look at what he says. Therefore, and we want to know what the therefore is therefore, right? Therefore, in everything, everything that you do, 
treat people the same way you want them to treat you for, because this is the law and the prophets. Now, how wonderful is this? Because our Father gives us the good gifts that we really need, and for that which we have asked, sought, and knocked for, we can then have love and treat others as we would want to be treated, right? We can now be generous towards others as we want others to be generous towards us, right? We can now be full of grace as we would want others to show us grace. We cannot, we, we can now forgive others because we have been forgiven. Because we've received all these good gifts from our Father, because we've been given a new heart and made a new creation in Christ, we can now give away good gifts as our Father does. How cool is that? What a privilege. We can now treat others the way we want to be treated. And when we don't, guess what? When we don't, the true believer, he or she feels it. And we hate it. And we repent and we grow in the kindness of, of treating others as we ourselves want to be treated. And Jesus says to us in his word tonight, if we are doing this, and it's, and it's only by his grace that we can treat others as we want to be treated ourselves, then we are doing all that the law and the prophets teach us in the end of verse 12 there. In other words, all that Moses taught in the Ten Commandments, and all that God showed the Israelites, all that the prophets prophesied about is being fulfilled in your loving one another in Christ, by Christ, for Christ. Because Christ fulfilled the law of God perfectly in our place, and we desire to walk in those very same footsteps. And, and, and that's the thing, is, is we don't do this in our own strength. It must be by his strength and grace and by gazing upon Christ and looking at how he treated others so that we can mimic and copy him. Who are you mimicking? Who are you copying? Is it him? Or is it someone else? Listen to these about, about, about mimicking and copying God, who, the, the, our Father, who is the giver of every good and perfect gift. Look at what he says to us who are believers. Ephesians 5.1, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for you. Whoa, what a standard. But that should be a standard we love and we soar, we aim for because of what our good heavenly father has done for us. And Ephesians 4.32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. So if we were to summarize this section in, in verses 7 to 12, God is basically telling us to ask for the good gifts from the one good Father so that we can live for him by giving away his good gifts to others. A good father is honored, did you know that? When his children copy him and his character. So too, our Heavenly Father is glorified when we mimic his likeness, when we give away the good gifts which he has given to us in his Son. And just to name a few, the fruit of his Holy Spirit. 
How are you doing with bearing that fruit in your life and giving that away to the glory of God? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. Those are gifts that God has given to you and shown you. And we are to be dispensing that to one another because he is the giver of every good and perfect gift. But, but this brings us to the beginning of the end, okay? This brings us to the beginning of the end of this Sermon on the Mount because you cannot even begin to apply all that we have learned from chapter 5, verse 3 to chapter 7, verse 12 if we do not have true life, that is life in Christ. So as Jesus begins to wrap up his Sermon on the Mount, he presents, you'll see in our text tonight, two gates, two ways, and two destinations. Jesus is drawing a line regarding eternal life. There is a life that is eternal death and wrath and torment and destruction, and there is a life that is eternal joy and peace. So Jesus pivots to commanding all before him in this way, even you, tonight. If you have not repented and put your faith in Christ, listen to what he says. Here is the line in the sand. Which side are you on? Are you ready? Jesus says, Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who enter through it, for the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life, and there are few who find it. Do you hear and see the warning tonight? Jesus paints yet another picture for us, and he's not painting a rosy, soft, easy way for entering his kingdom and obtaining eternal life. This is not easy. Question. What is easier, entering through a large gate or a narrow gate? Which one's easier? Which one's open? Which one's easier? They're both open. They're both open. Thank you. What is easier, traveling on the way, the, the, the road that is broad and wide or, or a narrow road? Which one's easier? The wide one, right? A lot of space, a lot of room, a lot of give, a lot of... Jesus is saying that many people believe they are Christians on their way to God's kingdom in heaven, but they are trying to enter through the wide gate. Meaning, there are many ways to get to God, to get to heaven. Now, as far as this wide gate is concerned guys tonight, what are some examples you think that you see in the world that you hear about that are, that are, that seem to be why gates to get to God in heaven? What are some examples you think? What's that? Prosperity gospel. Prosperity gospel. Okay, we got it. Well, let's understand that more. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like a view of I'm good and I'm good I'm good. I'm, I'm fine. Good. Yep. Just be nice. Be not, just be nice. Be nice and go to church every Sunday. And if your family is Christian, then... There you go. There you go. Here's a wide way. 
Cover it up with good deeds. Works righteousness. Good. Taylor? Be as perfect as possible. Even if you're not, seem like it. You guys got it. Yeah. You just need to go to church. What's that? You just need to go to just church. Just go to church. If not, you're fine. Exactly. Yeah. Whether or not I think I'm saved What's that? It's I decide. I do. Heaven there you go. Completely up to you. Good. Mm-hmm. Hell One more. What's that? Hell doesn't actually exist. And hell doesn't exist. There you go. Hell doesn't exist. Oh. Okay, very, very last one. Heaven is boring and hell would be more fun anyway. Okay, there you go. There's the view. Okay, there, there, that's another view, right? We're not going to go there tonight. But the point is the majority of people want to be in heaven. They want to be in a good place, right? And like someone mentioned, it's nice to be nice. It's, it's good to be good. And that'll carry me to heaven. There's all these different ways, all these different false religions and false ideas, and listen to what Jesus said about what all that you guys just said tonight. Jesus says there are many, many who enter through that wide gate that you guys just mentioned. Wide, easy, whether it's work really hard and didn't earn yourself or just sit back, relax, I'm going to heaven. Wide. And you're going to see in the next section, I believe next week, as you continue in, in this, Jesus is going to talk about these false teachers who teach about this wide gate in this wide way. Many ways to get to God in heaven. Jesus says there are many who enter through it. But where does the wide gate and the wide road lead according to verse 13? Where does it lead? What is that word that you see in verse 13? Where does the wide gate, the wide road lead? It leads to what? Okay, specifically, yes, but specifically in our text tonight. Destruction. That's right. Destruction. The, the actual word for that in the Greek is abaddon. Or a, a, like, like Apollyon. Destroyer. Destroyer. The one who destroys. And like you just mentioned, lake of fire. Hell. The weeping and gnashing of teeth where the worm never dies. Do you know why? This is true. Why is it that the, why is it that this wide gate, this wide road, what's wrong with it? Oh, why can't I just choose my way? What's the big deal? You know why it's a big deal? Because Jesus said in John 14, 6, he said, I am the way, help me out, the truth, the life. Not a way, not a truth, not a life. And if Jesus wanted to say it that way in the Greek, he could have said it. He is the way, the truth, the life. Listen to Acts 4.12. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. Jesus says, the gate is small and the way is narrow and leads to true life. And few who find it. In Luke 13, 24, Jesus says, strive, agonize. The word is, is agonize. Like a, like, like a weight lifter in the Olympics, agonizing to win. And, or, or like a marathon runner, agonizing, straining every fiber in his muscles being to win the race. Jesus says, strive, agonize to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter this very heaven that I speak about, 
and will not be able to. Now, don't, don't get Scripture wrong tonight. Salvation is by grace through faith, but it's in Christ alone. Christ alone. But there is a strife. Why is there this striving, this agonizing? You know why? Because the wide gate, the wide road is so easy to choose. You just met, you, we just confessed to it earlier. It's easy to go on a wide road. Wide gate. Easy. Listen, you wish to follow Jesus, then you must, Mark 8, 34, you must deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow him. In other words, if you're in Christ, you no longer live for yourself. That doesn't mean you don't go to Six Flags once in a while or get a toy once in a while or have these fun things. These are gifts. These are blessings of God. Okay? But you no longer live for yourself. You live for Christ. Your maker, your creator, your savior, your king. Jesus goes on to say, whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels, you'll save it. If you pursue, though, a life of ease, comfort, and acceptance by the world, and its wide gate and wide road standards, you will not find eternal life. Because eternal life is to truly know and love Jesus Christ and to follow him no matter what. Even if that means you stand alone and everyone else abandons you. So I ask you, what gate have you entered? The wide or narrow one? What path are you on tonight? The road that accepts all religions and truth is my truth and any thinking of the world? Or are you on the narrow road that is paved with this truth? The truth that we just sung. I'm on the road that's paved with this kind of markings. In Christ alone... My hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my very song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm to the fiercest drought and storm, trials, tribulations, temptations. What heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are stilled, when striving cease, my comforter, my all in all. Here in the love of Christ I stand. In Christ alone, he took on flesh, fullness of God, and a helpless babe, this gift of love and righteousness, scorned by the ones he came to save. Till on that cross, Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied for you, for me, for every sin on him that was laid here in the death of Christ. I live. Sin's curse has lost its grip on me, for I am his and he is mine, bought with the precious blood of Christ. No guilt in life. Do you guys realize that? Jesus died and he washes away even your very guilt. Guilt is a heavy thing, isn't it? To carry? He paid for it. Gone. Past, present, future. No guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry till final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. No power of hell, no scheme, trickery, temptation of man can ever pluck me from his hand till he returns or calls me home here in the power of Christ. I stand. Is that the road that you're on tonight? Oh, I pray it is. 
As we conclude, we need some application. So we're making full circle as to how we respond to God's specific word to us tonight. Number one, if you are not in Christ, if you're doubting, if you're disbelieving, if you are still in your sin, Jesus says, number one, application, enter through the narrow gate and receive God's greatest gift, true life in his son. How do you enter through the narrow gate and receive God's greatest gift? Son, you have to humble yourself, acknowledge your sin, confess it before God, turn from it, and put your trust completely in Jesus Christ the very one who took the wrath of God in his body on the cross that you and I deserved, died the death we should have died, and he burst forth from the grave, from the tomb, proving his power over our sin, death, hell, and Satan. You need to enter through the the narrow gate, and in doing this, you cry out, God, be merciful, be merciful. But listen, dear students tonight, you're not going to cry out to God, God, merciful to me be merciful if you don't realize the depth and the seriousness of your sin against a holy god you won't cry out your need for god's mercy you won't you must be gazing upon this glorious christ who humbled himself and did this for us to enter through the narrow gate Say, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. And guess what? Guess what? In turn, you will then be justified before the judge of all mankind. And you'll go home tonight, listen, as a ransomed, redeemed, forgiven, cleansed, adopted, righteous son or daughter of God. But it's narrow. It's narrow. And even if you have entered the narrow gate, you've repented, you put your faith in Christ. Guess what? Even upon your death and dying, the end will not be destruction. As the previous text said, it will be life. True life, true joy, true peace that no one and nothing can take away from you. That's point number one for application. Enter through the narrow gate. Please see one of the leaders tonight. If you have questions about this, if you need to know more, we'll show you the truth in God's precious life-saving word in his son. Number two, though, and three, for those of you who are in Christ, number two, be aware of the gifts you are seeking now that you are in Christ. Be aware identify them. Be aware of the gifts that you're seeking. Which gifts are you asking, seeking, and knocking for? Are you searching for the best gifts? The ones that your good father loves to give you? Because it might just be that you need to ask God to change your heart so that you want the good stuff. The psalmist prays it all the time. Lord, give me the good appetite I need 
to draw nearer to you. Ask him to give you what he knows you need and trust him for it. Wisdom, patience, you need to love others more. (laughs) Number two, be aware of the gifts that you're asking for. And number three, lastly, give away the good gifts. When God has given you all the good stuff, the good gifts, we're not to hoard it to ourselves. <laughs> okay? I know I struggled with that when I was your age. Any good gift I, ha- I want to just keep it to myself. But what are we talking about here tonight as we've already gone over? Do you want forgiveness? Yes or no? Yeah, then give forgiveness away. Because of what Ephesians 4.32 says. Be kind, tenderhearted, loving one another, and forgiving one another just as God in Christ has what? Forgiven you. Do you want Christ-like love? Yes or no? Then give Christ-like love away. Do you want mercy and grace? You, You should have shouted that one the loudest. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Let me, th- th- then, then what are we supposed to do? We are to give mercy and grace away. Last one. I could go on and on. I know. We want to go and play. We're going to play. One more. Do you want to be told the truth? You, or do you, like, do you enjoy being lied to? You want to tell the truth? You want, you, want, you, want, you, want, you want to be told the truth? Then guess what? Speak the truth. And if it's a hard thing, speak the truth in love. Or if you're caught in sin, speak the truth. You'll have way more mercy and grace upon you when you do than when you don't. Give these gifts away because he's given all the good gifts. And, and so in other words, in giving away good gifts as we close... As God's perfect book has already told us tonight, treat others the same way God has treated you and as you would want to be treated. And guess what? You will be walking in his will and that will also be proof that you, by faith, have entered the narrow gate. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your good gifts, especially the greatest gift, your son who loved us and gave himself for us. Lord, I do pray that those here tonight who are questioning their salvation, who have not come to you, that they would seek us out so that we could lead them by your grace in the truth. And Lord, that there would be salvation tonight. And that we would not harden our hearts, but to know, Lord, that you are worthy of our belief. You are worthy of our love. Because you have made us. You have died for us. You've risen again for us. You're reigning and you're coming again for us. May we be found in Christ. To the glory of your name. Thank you for these dear students tonight, Lord. Bless them and may we be a blessing one to another. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.